Before writing the pamphlet that would make him America's provocateur-in-chief, Thomas Paine, 1737-1809, was an abject failure. Born Thomas Paine, P-A-I-N, the E came later, in 1737 in Thetford in Norfolk County, England. He learned corset-making from his Quaker father, but his father could not offer him a partnership, so he left home at age 19 to fend for himself. He worked for short stints as a sailor, shopkeeper, and English teacher, before being hired as a collector of excise taxes, a job he lost, won back, and lost again. In 1774, in his late thirties, he found himself broke and out of work in London. He was also alone. His first wife and only child had died in childbirth, and he and his second wife had separated. So to say this incorrigible patriot's early years were undistinguished is to be gracious. Then Payne met Ben Franklin in London in 1774. Buoyed by a letter of introduction from Franklin calling him an ingenious, worthy young man, Payne set sail in November 1774 for Philadelphia. There, he edited Pennsylvania Magazine, a sleepy publication he helped turn into the most widely read magazine published in the colonies. Philadelphia was the hub of New World politics, and there, Payne ran with revolutionaries, soaking up their ideas and spewing forth some of his own. One of Payne's acquaintances was the physician Benjamin Rush, who urged him to write an argument for independence and call it Common Sense. This pamphlet, first published anonymously on January 9, 1776, would give American politics a new sound, much as Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn bequeathed a new way of speaking to American literature. And that sound was akin to hammer on anvil. Common Sense appeared just nine months after first blood was drawn at Lexington and Concord. So the war with England was still rebellion without a cause. Payne gave it one, and in the process helped to turn public opinion, which largely favored reconciliation, toward the radical step of declaring the colonies free and independent states. But Common Sense did more than urge independence on an ambivalent public, in a strange twist on Governor John Winthrop's image of colonial Massachusetts as a city upon a hill, Payne saw beyond the creation of a new nation to the birthday of a new world in which Americans would spread the gift of freedom to unfortunates worldwide. America's second president, John Adams, would later downplay Payne's impact, insisting there was little new in common sense. I am bold to say there is not a fact nor reason stated in it which had not been frequently urged in Congress, he wrote. But Adams's protest attends too much to the substance of Payne's writing and too little to its style, which even Adams had to admit was manly. As the title indicates, common sense was aimed at the common man. Previous arguments against monarchy had been advanced in legal or philosophical jargon, but Payne wrote, historian Pauline Meyer observes, in the knockabout language of a tavern philosopher. His words were plain, the working title had been plain truth, and he made the case for independence with a sledgehammer's nuance. Author Craig Nelson writes that common sense was structured very much like a traditional pulpit sermon. If so, it was a saucy one.
vulgar and vituperative. It evoked throughout what Martin Luther King Jr. would later refer to as the fierce urgency of now. The dominant tone of common sense is that of rage, writes historian Bernard Balin. The aim of almost every other notable pamphlet of the revolution was to probe difficult, urgent, and controversial questions and make appropriate recommendations. The aim of common sense was to tear the world apart. Rejecting the prevailing theory that kings ruled by divine right, Paine traces the origins of the British crown not to the Almighty, but to that French bastard, William the Conqueror. Early English monarchs, he adds, were nothing better than the principal ruffian of some restless gang. But common sense is not all spit and vinegar. To be sure, Paine redirects the object of American ire away from the particular missteps of George III.